Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back, my Truth Over Tea fans, friends, and fanatics. It's me, your continual host, Christopher Wilmot, where we're learning to tell the truth over spilling the tea to the LGBT community and beyond. I welcome you wherever you may be joining us today, whether it's here locally in the States or globally as we're getting some listeners and viewers there. Welcome, come on in and welcome back if you've been tracking with us over each season. But if this happens to be your first season, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. You know my name. I'm 29 years old. I have been a disciple as we're learning to call ourselves um, with the Lord for about seven to eight years now, walking with him and just following him as a disciple. The Lord has discipled me into the three things that we're learning on this podcast, which is acceptance, change, and practicing self-control over same-sex desires. Yeah. And a little bit of tea about myself as you heard some of it being stirred in the background. Here's some spilling tea that you may be interested in that I spent four to five active years in the LGBT lifestyle identifying with homosexuality. So I have come into an understanding of the truth, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is Jesus himself. And he's discipled me to understand that God accepts you, grace changes you, and you can't control you. So whether you're in the community or even out, all three of those things can benefit you. Even though this is a podcast targeted to the LGBT community, it's not limited to the community. So I welcome you. And so without any further ado, grab your tea and join me. Like, comment, and share this if this installment of truth can bless you or somebody you know. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's installment of truth. Hello, hello, fans, friends, fanatics. It's me, Christopher Wama. As you heard the intro, introduce me. And now I welcome you wherever you may be joining us in the States or even globally around the world as we're getting some listeners there. I welcome your listenership and I thank you so much for it. It is a privilege and an honor to have you continuously on every episode if you've been tracking with us. But if this happens to you be your first, I still welcome you and thank you as well. So we're going to be discussing the topic of identity, as you know, for our whole season three installment of truths on each episode but this episode is targeting the question who told you you were and i left it blank who told you you are whatever it is that you believe that you are was it god who told you that was it a man or a woman who told you that was it a family member or a friend who told you that was it society who made you that and um with that question we're going to try to answer it through seeing how god simply has asked Adam and Eve in the beginning who told them they were naked. And so in that context of scripture, we see Adam and Eve, and we're going to see here in a second, them adapting an identity for their life because somebody or something, maybe their feelings, like most people in, in society today, their feelings start to dictate to them who they are. We're going to see in scripture just how that has been going on ever since the beginning. And that's why I love the word of God, because it's so revolutionary. And um, it's not just revolutionary on the topics of identity, but all topics. And it's really, it's necessary to go to the truth regarding our life in society today, because it will help us filter through all the lies that we're heard, or maybe even the feelings that we feel. And as the word of God says, it will separate our feelings from our faith to help us believe um, the truth about all areas of our life, including that of identity. So I've already jumped ahead and I've already leaked out majority of what we're going to be discussing. Um, so let's go to the truth. So you don't take my word for what I'm saying, but you take the word. And the word says in Genesis here, Genesis three, this very profound question that led me into the study today. 
And I think it's interesting for us to embark on, for us to understand this for our lives and I um, and whatever identity that we have identified with in our lives. So without further ado, hopefully you have your tea. I got my, my water today, but um, you have your tea or your choice of beverage and get your truth ready as we dive into this question. Who told you you were, maybe it wasn't gay. Maybe who told you you were ugly? Who told you you were stupid? Who told you you were fat? Who told you no man would ever want you? Who told you that no woman would ever want you? Who told you you're you're never going to amount to anything? You're not going to make it past 18? All these different things we've heard people say, and even some things that we feel, where's the origin of that? And we're going to trace that through diving into the truth that hopefully it will help us answer that question appropriately to identify with Christ effectively. So... As I said, Genesis 3, I think, excuse me, is where we're going to begin today for our study. And I think it's necessary to discuss this because everything that you're seeing going on, everybody's being told all these different truths, quote unquote, based off their feelings or the feelings of others. And it has begun to shape how we think. Now, we know in our this podcast, we're going to the truth regarding our identity. And we have to go to the, the word of God regarding that truth about what Jesus had to say about us, what God had to say about us. But not everybody's doing that. They're going to other forms and avenues of truth um, that lowercase t, quote unquote, truth that they're adapting to their life. And we see that issue when we come um, from the perspective of like all the different things that we are seeing come about where people's confusion is concerned, their sex or sexuality is concerned. And we know on that uh, podcast, we've established the definition of identity. It's wherever you're going to for your sense of self and worth and esteem, the origin or the source that you go to to understand who you are. And everything is based off of that. So just a quick little review because I haven't reviewed that in a while. So Genesis 3, we're going to build on when we lay down this foundation today. As you know, I'm a teacher. I like to do foundational teachings to uh, make sure that we're all tracking in the same way and keeping up with me. I'm a teacher, not a preacher. So um, I pray it's not boring as some may call teaching today, but it hopefully will be revolutionary for your life as it was for mine. So Genesis 3, I keep saying that, haven't even turned to it yet. We're going to start for context's sake. We want to build context so we're not left with the con in the text. So we want to make sure we're getting the word in God in context. And so verse 8, I think, is a good place to start. So Genesis 3, 8 reads, um, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, which we know is Eve, hid themselves from the presence of the Almighty God. I feel like this is um, profound in itself already. Why are you hiding yourself from your creator? Why are you running from God instead of to God? Verse nine, then the Lord God called out to the man and said, where are you? I really believe that's what God is saying to a lot of the men today. Um, A little caveat here, taking a little rabbit trail, but um, I believe God's really calling and asking the men, the men of God, the men out there, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you silent? Why are you quiet? Why are you under a rock somewhere? Why are you running from God? Why are you not in the presence of God? Oh, better yet, why are you not in church? (laughs) Well, COVID, no, don't hit me with that COVID stuff. You can't blame COVID for everything like they're doing these days because men have been underpopulated in the church for decades. Why? I do not know, but it's God's saying, where are you, man? He's looking for Adam um, because he's responsible for the garden, as we know. So he's looking for Adam to figure out where are you at and what are you doing? 
you should be guarding this this garden, not running um, and hiding in it. So he says in verse 10, the at, um, Adam responds and says, I heard you, the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Wow. Because I was naked. So I hid myself. In verse 11, he said, God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Which we're very familiar with the story of Adam and Eve, but um, glean in to learn some new wisdom today. It, because I'm sure that the Lord will reveal by the spirit of God, some stuff that he revealed to me that you probably may never have heard. So just because it's um, a familiar story doesn't mean that you can't get anything new out of it. What I've started to first recognize with this passage of scripture, verse 10 stood out to me first. That um, God's asking him, where are you? As we know, in verse eight and nine. But then he says in verse 10, uh, e, uh, Adam responds. This is again, only Adam responding here, saying that I was afraid and I was naked. The spirit of God began to reveal this to me that this is the first mention of the word fear and naked. Like there is no origin of that. So how does he even know what fear and nakedness even means? Like who told you what that means? Who told you what that is for you to now start not only to say it, but then watch this identify with it. It's not it's not it's, it's already bad enough that you said uh, fear and you said naked because those are words you never heard God say. But then, two, you started to identify with it. Same thing that I, I think a lot of the individuals and, and even out of the community of the LGBT community have done. A lot of us have heard or felt or have even boldly said we are a certain thing based off other things that are not really biblical, um, that is not truthful. And so that's the same thing Adam did in, in the beginning. He started, I guess, feeling afraid and I guess thought he was naked. And so began to identify with that feeling instead of identifying with his faith, which we're learning to do on this podcast. We want to separate our feelings from our faith so we can identify with our faith in God and with God through the truth of God, through Jesus Christ, through the spirit, through the different avenues that we have been reiterating on every episode. So he said, again, verse 10, continuing to milk this, um, he says, I was afraid and I was naked. And then God responds and said, who told you you were naked? Same thing I'm asking you all. Now, I said to you all a few minutes ago, who told you you were gay? But take that word out. Who told you you were anything? Whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be gay. It doesn't have to be fat. It doesn't have to be black. It doesn't have to be white. Whatever the, the word you want to fill in there. Um, who, who told you that? Where did you get that from? Where is the origin of that quote unquote truth that you have believed and adapted for your life that has now become an identity in your life? Who told you that? And I'm a big component and advocate of truth, as you know, hence why I have the Truth Over Tea podcast. But I also want to develop and disciple others to be the same, to be advocates and components of truth, not hearsay, not what she said, hearsay, and he said, not what they said, who are they anyway, not even what you feel, but what is the truth about those different topics or titles or identities that have been given to you? Because as we learned in episodes past, words have power and so therefore names have power. And if you just allow people to speak names or words over you, or worse, you start speaking names or words over you and identifying and adapting yourself to them, you begin to uh, create what we've called over episodes past, which is idolatry, is when you start to identify with something as your God or identify with something that you've made your God. That's how you create idol idolatry. 
And that's where we see these cyclical cycles um, in our society today. Now, I say all of that because I've noticed um, when we talk about idolatry, just piggybacking off that for a second, is that we have gone to other things, other sources as our source. And we've gone to really resources as our source to either one, get our identity from, get our life and living from, get our way and manner of living from. It's like we've even gotten our truth from different resources or sources that we've made sources in our life that has really has contaminated our life. Hence why we're seeing the confusion in our life. And I see this in the same passage of scripture that we're reading in Genesis uh, 3, where Adam and Eve is concerned because he says to Adam and therefore Eve, who was standing next to him at this moment, in verse 11, have you eaten from the tree at which I've commanded you not to eat? How can God so boldly ask that question or even assume that action that they committed or that sin really that they committed? I think he was able to assume that because the fact that he started identifying with that, that Adam started identifying with that. You started identifying with something that I never told you. You started identifying with something I never said. You're identifying with something I never, I never told you. I never gave you. I never uh, supplied for you. So how are you now? Not only are you saying you um, are afraid. Now you're identifying with that fear. Not only are you saying you're naked, you're identifying with that, that, that nakedness. And that's how God was, um, not trying to speak for him, but that's how I believe God was able to assume that they must have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because you are now identifying with something I never told you. And that's where we talk about the idolatry. And I want people to go to the truth about their identity so they're not victims to this idolatry, but unfortunately, they're not going to the truth. Or in this case, they're not going to the tree. They're going to the wrong tree. And so now they're confused about their identity. All of that in verse 8, 9, 10, and 11. So now let's see, continuing to dissect this. If you guys continue to read this story, if you're not familiar with it, Genesis 3 um, continues to read that um, Adam eventually starts blaming the woman as we're in, <laughs> we see this even in today's day and age, man's blaming woman, woman's blaming man. And he says in verse 12, it's the woman you gave me is the reason why I have eaten of this tree, which is obviously not true. Because if you go to Genesis 2, um, where the commandment was first given, he gave, God gave the commandment to Adam. Eve wasn't even born yet. So how can you blame Eve, the woman, for why you're doing what you're doing when it's not her fault, which a lot of people do, whether it's the man or woman you're blaming. They sometimes blame their father, their mother, their past, their upbringing. And some of those things may have played a role in maybe what influenced your identity or your feelings or influenced some of the uh, negative or even positive things in your life. But you can't at some point you have to stop being the victim and really become the victor. So that's going to require responsibility, which, again, not to pick on the men, but a lot of us men have shrink uh, away from. We are not being responsible and accountable anymore. But I digress. Another sermon, another day. <laughs> but in Genesis 2 uh, proves that a um, Adam was given the commandment, not even Eve. So Adam can't blame Eve. In Genesis 2, 17 or 16 for context sake, we always want to go to context. So in 16, it says the Lord God commanded the man in this context. When he says man, he's not referring to mankind. He's referring to literally the man, the male man. So he says um, in verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man saying from every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But the free, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat from watch the commandment, pay attention to it with precision um, because this is going to come in um, uh, handy for our, my next point I'm going to make. But um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was 
which is in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Pay attention to that. Do not eat it. If you eat it, you'll die. You shall surely die for uh, uh, more precision. And so um, then verse 18, 19 and 20 is where we see God saying it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a suitable, compatible uh, helpmate, um, which is Eve, the woman who can help him uphold this responsibility that he's been given and this commandment he was given. So obviously it wasn't Eve's fault for why man fail, fell. It's really Adam's fault, which a lot of people uh, say that when they get to heaven, they're going to have a lot to say to, to Eve when it's really not even really Eve's fault because even though the fall of man took place in Genesis 3, and we're going to see that here in a second, it was only uh, able to even happen because Adam didn't speak up and defend the garden like he was instructed to do. Excuse me. Sorry about that. So let's see that fall of man. Let's see if we can see the word of God bring all these different points I've made in the, in the next points I'm going to make in this passage of scripture in Genesis 3 verse 1 where we see um, the fall of men begin. And it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any uh, beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So God had made this beast. He said to the woman, the beast did and said, um, indeed, has God said, or hath God said in the King James, um, shall you not eat from any of the trees of the garden? So he's literally asking her a question. Now be, 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 um, be woke as they say with, um, what I'm um, getting ready to share with you today, or I guess I should say get woke with what I'm getting ready to share with you today, because it's very interesting that the beast or the serpent, which we know is the devil, it took the body of the serpent of the snake. But um, the devil went to the woman, not the man. And this is very interesting when the man was the one who was given the commandment. So it would at least spark in me. Why did you go to the woman, not the man? Because the man knew the truth personally relationally, uh, 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 precisely from God. He heard it directly from the father himself. Eve heard it vicariously through someone else. It happened to be her husband, but nonetheless, she wasn't on the scene when the commandment was given, when the truth was given, when, when the word was given, but Adam was. And that's why I didn't understand why Adam wasn't speaking up in this passage of, uh, of scripture. So, I think the devil knew this, that she got the word, she got the truth vicariously through somebody else. So he knew that she may be a little bit more susceptible to the lie because she didn't really hear or know the truth. And we're going to see that to be proven in the um, uh, not episodes, excuse me, but the scriptures to come. And it says, um, did God, the, the, going back to that verse one, did God say you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Now the woman responds to the serpent. Why are you talking to a snake? I have no clue. But it says, um, she says, from the fruit of the trees uh, of the garden, we may eat. We may eat freely of all the other trees of the garden. But the one that's in the midst of the garden or the middle, God said, you shall not eat of it, which is true. But you shall not touch it lest you die. Now, this is false because remember, I told you with precision. What did chapter two say in verse 17? God gave the commandment to Adam and said, if you eat it, you shall die. Now, in verse three in chapter three, uh, Eve is saying, if you touch it, you shall die. Now, some may say there's no big deal. Why are you making why are you being so anal and analytical and, and dissecting it like this? It doesn't require a lot of this. But I, I, I beg to differ because as a teacher. 
we milk the word and we break it up and we skillfully or should be skillfully handling it, rightly dividing it, which we'll approve in later scriptures I'm going to show you. But I have to be this precise with it because she, one, wasn't. And two, we see the consequences of why, what happens when you're not. So she says, don't touch it, even though God didn't say that. Now, guess what the serpent is able to say to her? Verse four, you shall not die. Here comes the contradiction to the word of God that specifically said in chapter two, verse 17, you shall surely die. So what gave the, the devil the boldness, the, the, the zeal? We talked about that word in episodes past. What gave him the zeal to even dare, dare say what God didn't say? Because she didn't know what he said. So if you don't know the truth, now the devil's going to tell you the truth. He's going to sell you a different form of truth and call it the truth because you don't know the truth. Now, what does that have to do with who told you you were gay? What does it have to do with identity? If you don't know who you actually are by the spirit and, and according to the truth and what God said about you, you're not going to be able to combat what the devil tells you or he may speak through somebody else. Now, the devil's not speaking through serpents these days. I mean, I beg to differ, but uh, no, no, for real. There's no serpents or snakes running around in our life, in our society or in our garden, so to speak. But there are snakes in our life. They're not physical, but they're spiritual. There's these people through societal norms and philosophies that slithered their way into the hearts and minds of God's people to try to convince them they are something that they're not, or they have to do something to become something that they don't even have to do to become. Because either one, they already were made, or two, that God never made them or called them to be. So we see this a lot with other people in different sexes or sexualities. They want to try to do this to become this, or they think that I'm not this because I feel this. And like I said before, the truth is what's going to separate how you feel from what is real. And the reality is what God says needs to become a reality in your life by you believing the truth for your life. And so going deeper and adding a lot of commentary to these scriptures, but verse four, four we see exactly the, 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 the consequence of not knowing the truth. When the serpent said to the woman, Eve, you should not surely die for God knows that when you eat of this, your eyes shall be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. That's now the devil saying, if you can go to me, go to this tree as your source, not a resource, but go to this tree as your source, it will make you be who you are. Think of that, making it relatable for our day and time today. If you do this, you will become this. And that's not true because Genesis 2, actually, really, Genesis uh, 1, 26. Sorry for that that loud uh, flipping of pages in the background. But I want you to know I'm going to the truth as an advocate of it. So Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and after our being. And let them have, let them, male and female, have dominion powerful. They had dominion. This is so powerful. They had dominion. They were made in God's likeness and image. So one, if they had dominion and power, which dominion means power, they should have taken power over the thing that was trying to take power out and from them, which is that serpent. But they didn't do that. And so they also were trying to eat this tree, this fruit from this tree to become like God when they already were made like him. So we see here, summing this all up and kind of bringing this home for a landing. Since Eve did not know the truth about not only about the tree, but also even about her identity, the devil was able to tell her about it. So if you don't know the word, he'll tell you the word. He'll try to fluff it up with a little bit of the truth because the devil did kind of quote a little bit of the, the, the word and the commandment. 
if you eat uh, eat of this, um, your eyes will be open. And that's kind of true. But then he added to this uh, truth, which anything you add to truth makes it automatically a lie. And that's what religion is. It's a it's it's a it's comp- religion is comprised of truth and tradition mixed together. And that's how you get religion. So you, this is the ingredient of religion. If you were ever to make religion, no matter what religion that may be, it's taking some truth and taking some tradition and you have religion. Truth plus tradition equals religion. And that religious understanding, which is a misunderstanding of truth, is what's deceiving you in your life. And so he fluffed up the truth or puffed it up by adding, if you eat of this, you'll be like God. That's not true. But if you eat this, your eyes will be open. That is true. So she did not know the word. So she was more susceptible to that uh, lie and deceived by it. And so she ate of the tree, as we know, the fruit from the tree and then gave it to her husband. And that's why they are doing verse 10, 11 and 12 in chapter three. Their eyes were open. They felt afraid. See, that's immediately what came in when they um, they sinned. Shame came in. Guilt came in and they felt naked. They felt uh, uh, destitute. It made them run into isolation, which a lot of people, especially dealing with sexual sins that they do. We've talked and studied this where the woman at the well is concerned. They run from the church, run from God because they don't feel like God can accept them because of their sin. When God's literally looking for them, where are you? And then you respond, well, I I ran from the church because the church didn't accept. He said, I don't care if the church don't accept you. I have never rejected you. If I accept you, who cares who it rejects you? So don't run from me, but run to me. And, And thanks God, thanks be to God because of his grace. We can always run to him boldly in the midst of any sin that we have committed. Because if we remember who we are and remember what he's done to give us and make us who we are, we'll bounce back again anyway. So unfortunately, she did not know who she was. She did not know what the truth was about the commandment. So therefore, she was able to be susceptible to the tradition and therefore create religion. Now, um, I'm going to drive this home by saying this. I think it's important when dealing with identity to go to the truth. But the question is, do you even know what the truth is? Now, a lot of people will say this is very, very extremely controversial. And I don't want to get in too much trouble for saying this and create this heresy that you may think I'm speaking or preaching by saying what I'm getting ready to say. But to before I say it, I'm going to reiterate something I said in episodes past that the whole Bible is written for us, but the whole Bible is not talking to us. Now, if this is your first time hearing me say that. Let me break that up. What I mean by that is saying that the whole Bible is written for is written for our learning. We're supposed to learn from it, grow from it, understand it. But the whole Bible is not specifically talking to the disciple of Jesus Christ today because there was no disciples in the Old Covenant. There was no disciples in the Old Testament. There was no people following Jesus because Jesus hadn't arrived on the scene yet. And so the Jesus was arrived on the scene in Matthew, the New Testament. And then we understand Jesus by the spirit, which was revealed in the book of Acts. Again, the New Testament. So since we don't have Jesus walking with us today, we can't really follow him without being in the spirit and led by the spirits. Also, we can't even understand our identity unless we get in the spirit because he's only given it to us through the spirit. So what does it have to do with truth and the point I'm making? The Bible is not all the truth. Now, the the whole Bible is true. I didn't say the Bible is not true. I said the whole Bible is true, just like the whole Bible is written for our learning and our understanding. But the whole Bible is not talking to us. And the whole Bible is not the truth for ourselves today. We're not living by every part of the Bible because every part of the Bible is not talking specifically to the New Covenant, New Testament born again believer. 
Now, that's extreme and controversial, and I wish I had time to really dissect that and break it up and study it for you. But I really want you to understand this from John 14. It reads here in John 14, 6, that Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. That further reiterates the point I was making that Jesus is the truth, not necessarily the Bible. It is true, but it's not the truth. I don't know why I sense and feel like somebody's going to be extremely grieved and offended by that statement. Again, I am not saying the Bible you can't read. I'm not saying the Bible's not true. I'm just saying that the parts of the Bible we want to be precise with understanding the truth is where Jesus is concerned, because that is what's going to reveal to us our identity. Remember when I referenced Peter and Simon Barjona and Paul and and um, who was once Saul? When I referenced those stories, I was showing you through those stories, pulling out of it, how they discovered their identity. How did they do that? By understanding the truth. For further reiteration, what is the truth? Jesus, what is Or how is it that we're going to understand precisely who we are? Jesus, understanding Jesus, which you can only understand, follow and um, yeah, understand and follow Jesus by way of the gospel, which is the truth. Now, is that again me going too far with that? No, continue to read in John 14. It says that um, grace and truth came by Jesus. Grace and truth came by Jesus. So it's literally saying that grace is the truth that came by Jesus that's going to help us to live in our life and understand our identity in Christ. Because again, Jesus is who is revealing that to us by way of the Father. And we've reiterated that that point through different stories and scriptures past. So I, I encourage you to reference some of those previous episodes. But hopefully I have proven that point and I'm going to close with this one in Mark 7. Um... Mark 7, I believe. I'm sorry. I want to pull it up precisely so make sure I'm not misquoting it before I say what I'm getting ready to say to close out tonight. It reads here in Mark 7. It's actually 713. It says people have made the the word of God void or of none effect because of their traditions that were handed down to them. Their traditions, again, going back to Uh, That point I made about religion. Religion is tradition plus truth that equals religion. So if you don't know with precision, not to be poetic here, if you don't know with precision what the truth is, you're not going to be able to follow it, understand your identity by it. And then you're going to most likely be traditional, which is you're going to take a little bit of what he said, she said, hearsay, they said, and mix it in a little bit with what you feel and a little bit of what the truth is. And you're going to you're going to together create this identity that you've created, which is idolatry, that you're now going to be identifying with because you're constantly either one hearing this, feeling this, don't know the truth about it, and you're now more susceptible to it. So with with precision, we're going to be precise with the truth and following Jesus, which is the gospel, which is understanding what we are uh, been advocating um, on this podcast. And that's the truth I'm advocating. That's the truth I'm dissecting every topic with. That is the truth I'm using almost like that butter knife to cut away the lies from the truth, the uh, the good things from the God things. So, you know, with precision, going back to that word, what is the truth and what to do regarding these different topics of uh, discussion that we've been discussing in times past. 
But specifically talking about identity, Mark or excuse me, Hebrews 4, 12 talks about that the word of God is that knife. The word of God is that truth that or excuse me, the word of God is that knife that separates and divides how you fear from what you believe. And now to make that knife sharper, we're going to use the truth in this in in this context of this analogy. We're going to use the truth to sharpen that knife, which is the word of God. I mean, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, again, the. The gospel is the truth and the truth is in the, of course, in the Bible, but it's not the Bible. And with that truth in the precision, the precision of it is what's going to cut off all tradition, cut off all the fat and corrosion in our hearts or in our minds that has tempted or told us that we are something that we're not, or we have to do this to become something we're not, or um, any other points that I've made where that's concerned. So we're using that word of God, the word of truth to do that. And so second, uh, Timothy, I want to say, um, two fifteen is our last scripture for today. Second Timothy two fifteen. Hopefully I've reiterated these points enough and have um, backed them up with enough truth to support them. But second Timothy two fifteen. Now, um, just real quick, just because, I said what I said doesn't mean I'm going to never go to the Old Testament to reference scriptures because we were just reading out of Genesis 1, 2, and 3. You can go to any part of the Bible. Just make sure it lines up with the truth that I'm talking about, which is the gospel, which is Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So just throwing that out there, too, because some people may say I'm only telling people to read the New Testament. No, you can read even the Old. So 2 Timothy 2.15 in the New Testament, but... It reiterates the importance of understanding the truth and rightly handling the truth so you can walk into these things that I've been advocating, whether it's acceptance, whether it's change or whether it's self-control. Because especially when dealing with the topics of homosexuality, if you look at that from the Old Testament, you're going to be very grieved and um, really even deceived because you're going to think God doesn't accept gay people because of what he did to gay people in the Old Testament. He did that because of the law that they were under. We're not under the law. God is not sending fire down from hell to strike up people who have identified with those sexual desires. God is not doing that. Now, it will happen eventually where God will burn up the whole earth, a new heaven, a new earth, as we've heard. And it says in the book of Revelations, but um, it's not that's not happening yet. We're still in this age of grace to get a little doctrinal with you. We're in this age of grace. So God's not killing people, stealing people, destroying people. You've got that confused with the devil. The devil's comes to kill, steal and destroy. John 10, 10. But the, but God has come to give us life and life more abundantly. So anything associated with life and abundance and truth, you can expect God to be a part of that. Anything associated with lies and deception and confusion, perversion, sickness, disease, death, all of that's the devil. So stop giving that credit to God. So 2 Timothy 2.15, I keep saying that, I haven't gone to it yet. 2 Timothy 2.15 reads, and I'm going to read from a couple translations. It says here, be diligent and present to your present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not to be, need to be ashamed. No need to be ashamed or fearful. Uh, why? Because you're accurately handling and skillfully um, teaching the word of truth. In the Amplified Classic, it reads, study to be eager and to show yourself um, approved to God by tested and tr- by test and trials. A workman who's not t- to be ashamed, correctly analyzing, rightly dividing and accurately handling the word of truth, the word of truth. Notice it says the word of truth, not the Bible, not the Old Testament, New Testament, the word of truth, which we know is Jesus. So study to show yourself 
approve to God, not to everyone else, but to yourself. A lot of people want proof and evidence. You know, how do you know the Bible's true? Because I've tested it and been tested through it. Um, um, or, or I've been tested with it, I should say, to prove that it's true. I've been tested and tried to know that the word is true and specifically the gospel is the truth. I've already tested that with, with different temptations and tests and trials in my life have proven to show me that the gospel of grace is true. And so he says, I want you to prove for yourself and f- to God that you, through tests and trials, have been able to accurately divide, rightly handle and skillfully teach the word of truth, which I pray by the spirit of God I'm doing. But listen, if you can accurately divide it, you can therefore incorrectly divide it. If you can rightly handle it, that means you can in or unrightly handle it. If, if it says to skillfully teach, that means you can unskillfully teach. So understand that we have a responsibility with this truth regarding your identity to be skillful with it, to be rightly dividing it. If you can rightly divide, that means you can wrongly divide it. So I wonder, have you been? And how would you know if you are, if you don't even know what the truth is? So we are held to a a responsibility, like I said, with this truth to be skillful with it. So we don't fall victim like Eve is quoting stuff that's not truth. That's more tradition saying that we got to do stuff or be stuff to become stuff. You know, if I made sense, do stuff to become stuff, which is not true. Or we're adapting a different identity on our life. That is not what God has called us to be. So who told you you are whatever it is that you are better be whatever the truth said that you are. And we'll find that in the gospel of Jesus Christ or things that line up to the gospel, which is Jesus Christ himself. So I've reiterated those points. I've hopefully driven them home with proof and evidence by scripture. And please, if any of this you need further iteration on, please study out these scriptures yourself. That's why I quote them and tell you where to find them so you don't take my word but his. So without further ado, I pray that you are being accepted. You're feeling that experience and experiencing that change and practicing self-control, especially where your identity and sexuality is concerned. So I love you all. I pray you were blessed. I pray you understood the points I was making here. And if you have any questions or um, further rebukes that you would like to give, even give me, you can always email God period accepts period you period info at gmail.com. I would love to go on any deeper that I need to on this subject or topic if you need it. But I will not argue scripture. We're not going to I'm not going to try to prove to you any points because anything I have to prove, I have to get in pride to do as the Lord has taught me. So I'm not going to try to prove things, but I have no problem helping you to further understand things. So if you need further understanding or reiteration, don't hesitate to reach out. So love you all. God accepts you. Grace changed you. And you can you can control you. And God, you know, God said that. So I'm sorry. I'm about to preach all over again. So love you all. I'll see or hear you around. 